Chapter 3 Gum Baby When the attack came, I was half asleep. The car trip, the weird dream that wasn't a dream, working on the farm. By the time I went to bed, my eyelids felt like they weighed a ton. Still, I couldn't quite get to sleep. It wasn't the darkness, though I wasn't used to nighttime in Alabama. I was, I was used to the almost night of Chicago, with the glow of streetlights and the flicker of neon signs outside my window. Here, the complete lack of light made everything seem different. A flashlight lay on top of the blankets next to me. Not that I'm scared of the dark, you get me, but in case I had to use the bathroom or get a drink of water. Man, what I wouldn't have given for a couple of streetlights. It wasn't the silence, though it was also way too quiet. Instead of the comforting sounds of cars and trucks and sirens and people talking on the street, I heard corn stalks rustling in the wind. The window wouldn't close all the way because of the warped wooden frame, and that was good and bad. Good because I didn't feel so pressed in, so enclosed, but bad because of the crickets. Man, those crickets. Talk about annoying. How could anything so small make that much noise? It was like a million of them surrounded my window and were screaming the lyrics to the most annoying song you could think of. Yep, that one you're thinking of right now. Sucks, doesn't it? And yet it wasn't the darkness, or the strange sounds, or the unfamiliar house that was keeping me up. The pressure I'd felt on my chest and the car was back, waiting for me to relax. I knew that as soon as I did, it would seize me like an opponent in the ring, clinching my head between its gloves and waiting for the right moment to let go and hit me with that perfect punch. I could feel it. As soon as... Thump! The noise had come from across the room, by the window, like something falling to the floor. Instantly I sat up, straining to see in the dark. Now, if I were back in Chicago, I'd just stuff a pillow over my head to block out the noise, figuring it was a neighbor. Our walls were so thin in that apartment you could sneeze and people two floors down would say, Bless you! But this, was def- but this definitely wasn't Chicago. So when something went bump, I paid attention, especially because I was already on edge. Double, especially, because the sound was followed by sticky, mucky, stepped-on-a-piece-of-tape footsteps. I stared around the room. There wasn't much furniture. A dresser with my backpack, Eddie's journal still zipped up tight inside, a coat rack, and a chair with my clothes from the day on it. Still, nighttime eeriness turned the shadows of ordinary objects into something twice as creepy. Fingers stretched out of empty space. Shapes combined into creatures that crept toward the bed. Who's there? I whispered. Nobody answered. The crickets yelled their chorus outside and the wind cackled in the dry corn stalks. But those were normal farm sounds, right? I don't know what I expected. I took a deep breath and rubbed my eyes. That was silly. Stop being a baby, Tristan, I said, embarrassed. There's nothing here. Something scraped along the floor, and I swear I heard a voice whisper, Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? My heart skipped a beat, and I scrambled to the foot of the bed with the flashlight clutched in both of my shaking hands. I clicked it on, but nothing happened. Come on, come on, come on, I muttered, slapping it against the palm of my hand. The switch was stuck. Why doesn't anything work around here? Click. The beam flickered on after the fifth or sixth try. Finally! 
I swept the cone of light around, looking for anything remotely creepy, relaxing a bit each time something strange became familiar. The fingers turned back into a coat rack. The creeping monsters turned back into the chair covered in clothes. The doll baby in the middle of the floor rotated its head when the flashlight beam hit it. I froze. The doll looked homemade, like someone had carved it out of wood, painted it a dark molasses brown that hadn't quite dried yet, drawn two black dots for eyes and glued curly black wool on its head and two afro puffs. It stood still in the light almost a foot high and the two of us stared at each other. Okay, I said, then licked my lips. The flashlight turned off again. Okay, this is not weird, right? There's nothing weird about... Who are you calling weird? I looked around, confused, as I tried to locate the owner of that voice. It sounded strange and high-pitched, like when you breathe in helium from a balloon and your voice gets squeaky. Oh, so you don't see Gum Baby now? She's invisible now? It came from down low. The flashlight came on just in time to catch the doll starting to walk across the floor toward me. Each of her footsteps made a sound like Velcro strips separating. It, she, stomped closer, glaring and pointing. Where is it? You'd better tell Gum Baby and fast. Gum Baby? No way. I'd heard that name before. Not the little doll from the stories. It couldn't be. In the Anansi tales, Gum Baby was a doll. Anansi used to trap an African fairy while he was on a quest. But in the story, the doll remained silent and wore leaves for clothes. This one, on the other hand, had on a black turtleneck and black pants, but her tiny feet were bare. And what were those stains she was tracking across the floor? Hey, Gum Baby's talking to you, big boy. The doll marched across the floor, the serious expression on her face ruined by the plopping sound each of her footsteps made. Don't make Gum Baby climb up there. Plop, plop, plop. Is Gum Baby talking to a brick wall? Plop, plop, plop. Oh, you're asking for it now. Plop, plop, plop. She was up the side of the bed and leaving dark stains on the blankets by the time I finally shook myself out of the daze and extended the flashlight like a weapon. Who... Who are you? I whispered. The ten-inch tall doll glared at me, climbed atop my foot, and struck a pose. Both chubby arms spread wide, one foot planted on my big toe. She laughed in her tiny voice. Ha ha ha! You want to know who Gum Baby is? Gum Baby is the reason you sleep with the door locked. Gum Baby is the reason the sun runs away across the sky. Gum Baby is your nightmare and people whisper her name and tremble around the world. Ah ha 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 ha! Shh, I said, waving both arms in warning. You're gonna wake up my grandparents. Gum Baby cocked her head and looked at me like I'd just slapped her. Did you? She began, did you just shush gum, baby? Didn't you hear the introduction, being a nightmare and all that, and you locking your door? Did, did that not make sense? No, it made sense. It's just, should gum, baby, clarify? No, it's fine. I just don't want... Oh, good. In that case, gum, baby, will go upside your head if you ever think about shushing her again. Gum Baby scrambled across my lap and flailed at my chest with both sticky hands. 
Let another shush come out of that mouth. Let it. It'll be the last shush your shush maker will shushify. Okay, okay. I batted away the irritating blows, ducking and dodging more of that sticky stuff. Stop it. That tickles. And you're getting stuff all over the bed. Gum Baby wrestled with my shirt one more time, then stood on my lap, both hands on her hips. I wiped a glob of goop off my check and made a face. Off my cheek and made a face. Where were, what were Granddad and Nana going to say about the mess in the morning? That's better. Now where is it? Gum Baby folded her tiny arms across her chest. Where's what? Don't play dumber. You know what? No, I... Look... I don't know who you are. Well, I think you're... But that wouldn't make sense. Those were just stories. And can you just tell me why you're here? I meant why was she alive and not just a fable, but Gum Baby misunderstood. She glared at me for a second. Gum Baby's on a mission, Bubble tongue, Bumble Tongue. Where's the sign? Gum Baby knows it's glowing around here somewhere. I tried to form words, to come up with some sort of answer to her questions, but the whole situation was too unreal. It was like I was being interrogated by a $12 toy from the bargain bin. Eddie would never have believed this. In fact, this was just the sort of story Eddie would... Wait a minute. Glowing around here? Could it be? My eyes flicked to the backpack on the dresser, only for a second, but Gum Baby saw and an evil smirk crossed her face. Quick as a flash, she flung more goop in my face. Think fast! Gah! I yelped. While I pawed the stuff out of my eyes, the blankets shifted, and I felt her run to the end of the bed and leap off. By the time I could pry my eyes open, the stupid little thing was nowhere to be seen. A line of dark globs led to the dresser. I kicked off the blankets and ran over, looking around wildly. The backpack, with Eddie's journal, was gone. I spun around and aimed the flashlight at the floor. Gum Baby had disappeared. I looked under the bed. Nothing. Then I heard sticky footsteps sneaking to the wall behind me. I twisted around just in time to see Gum Baby leap out the window, fleeing into the night with my pack, green light escaping from the slightly open zipper. Get back here! I whisper shouted as I ran to the window. Gum Baby sprinted on her stubby little legs along the dirt path outside, around the Cadillac and up the hill leading to the cornfield. Seconds later, I couldn't spot her anymore. I slowly sank to the floor, hugged my knees to my chest, and closed my eyes. What had just happened? This was a nightmare. That was it. My dream in the car must have never ended. This couldn't be real. I couldn't have lost the only thing I had to remind me of Eddie and to a sticky toy at that. Stupid, stupid, stupid. My hands shook, and I pressed my palms against the floor to keep them still, right into a puddle of something soft and sticky. What was that stuff? Honey? Strands of whatever it was stretched and folded like taffy as I rubbed it between my fingers. It smelled sweet, but not exactly like honey. Something familiar, though. More of it dotted the floor, and I looked at the wall behind me. Sure enough, little dark splotches went all the way to the windowsill. A trail. I clenched my fists, then looked at the corner of the dresser where the backpack had been. That journal held Eddie's humor, his silly jokes, his stories, his dreams. It was everything. Maybe there was a chance I could get it back. I grabbed the flashlight, tugged on my hoodie and cargo shorts, and stepped into my sneakers. 
The window creaked as I eased it up, and the smell of horses and other farm odors hit me right before the wind issued a warning. Stay in bed. I ignored it. I squeezed through the window and dropped to the porch. For a moment, I hesitated. The darkness, the whispering wind, the rustling corn stalks, they all tried to change my mind. Go back inside. This ain't for you. No telling me, no telling what might happen to a city boy around here this time of night. I was about to cave into the fear and go hide in my bed when the flashlight beam landed on a small patch of sticky residue on the edge of the wraparound porch, and then one on the grass a few feet away, and another, and another. I gripped the flashlight so hard it hurt. The wind whistled louder, rattling the corn, but I gritted my teeth and shook my head. You don't scare me. I'm getting that journal back. Strong's keep punching. You get me? I felt silly saying it, but Dad's mantra gave me courage. Before I could think twice, I plunged off the porch and into the night.